Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. Our lesson this morning is from Luke chapter 14. Listen for the word of God. Our ears are open. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come to you and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. For Christmas this past year, my children, Sam and Daisy, received a book called No Slurping, No Burping. It's a primer primer on table manners. Um, The content and the aesthetics feel like they're out of the 1950s. The story centers on a family whose father is a kind of bumbling idiot. He's incapable of proper decorum. It's the job of his children, named Evie and Simon, to teach him what is acceptable and what is not. He slurps his soup and he spills it all over the dog. Daisy and Sam find that particularly funny. He lets out a loud belch after eating a giant bite of spaghetti with his mouth wide open that falls again onto the floor. He pounds on the table with the silverware when he's hungry. He rests his elbows there to gnaw on his chicken. He's clueless. And Evie and Simon and their dad have a special guest coming over for dinner on Saturday. So they have one short week to teach their dad what is acceptable around the table. They teach him to put his napkin in his lap. They say, wait till everyone is seated and has their food before you start eating. Do not talk with your mouth full. And of course, no slurping and no burping. The message is clear. There is an acceptable way to gather around the table. There are right ways to eat and wrong ways to eat. 
Recently, no slurping, no burping has become a real favorite of my kids, and so we read it regularly and repeatedly at bedtime. Kyle, my husband, finds this particularly irksome, in part because the narrative isn't really that interesting. But I think more than that, it's my brother and sister-in-law are the ones who gifted us the book, and I think he's a little worried at some kind of passive-aggressive statement on his own table manners. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. But it is true that manners around a table, how we eat meals with each other, they're culturally conditioned, they're rooted in traditions and families of origin. I come from a long line of Southern women with particular ideas about what is proper at the table. My great-grandmother, who was the first Daisy in our family, would never, ever put butter straight from the fridge onto the table. She would slice it up. It would go on a china plate. There would be a little silver butter knife there. Her daughter, my grandmother, wasn't quite as proper. She had three children. She taught sixth grade. She had to get a meal on the table. Uh, but she still had her mother's voice in her head. So when she took the carton of margarine out of the refrigerator, she would not just set it directly on the table. She set the carton of margarine on a plate, as if that made it acceptable. Reading Jesus' parable from Luke today at first glance can seem like some kind of first-century etiquette primer. No slurping, no burping, no sitting at the place of highest honor. A guide on how to throw an acceptable dinner party so you are ready for the right kind of guests. Jesus, as he often does, is eating with people, this day with some Pharisees, religious leaders, in their home on the Sabbath. He watches their particular brand of table manners, what is proper and right and good. And then, as he often does, he tells a parable, a story. Now, usually his parables, especially as he tells them in this, the Gospel of Luke, they're narratives filled with ambiguity. They have double or triple meaning. Sometimes it seems like they have no meaning at all or they can be hard to decipher. But today it seems like he is fed up and he's straightforward. He says, when you are invited to a wedding banquet, do not choose the seat of highest honor. What if someone who deserves it more shows up, and then your host has to tell you to move down? That would be embarrassing. It would be shameful. Instead, Jesus says, choose the lowest seat so that the host has the opportunity to move you up. Then famously, he says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's not so subtle. It seems pretty clear, no slurping, no burping, no exalting yourself when you are invited to a meal. He goes on adding, when you yourself are the host of a party, do not send invitations to those that you know and you love, your friends and your family. Do not invite important people with high status and honor who can pay you back. Instead, when you are the host of a party, this is who you should invite. The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. For they cannot repay you, but you will be repaid, not in this life, but at the resurrection. Now, to our modern ears, to my ears, sometimes this list can feel a little offensive. It's not language that we use to describe people. Scripture sometimes can refer to things as defects when we realize that there is a whole spectrum of human ability and not one thing is normal and one thing is not. 
But here's what's going on in this context for Jesus. He is describing people who at his time were intentionally pushed to the margins. They were kicked out by their families or their religious communities. They were denied the opportunity to work, which means many of them didn't have places to live. They were forced to beg on the street for money. They were certainly not people that the Pharisees would consider inviting into their homes on the Sabbath for a meal. It's not who most people would invite to their wedding celebrations. They were not acceptable table guests. They slurped and they burped and they had no way to host you for a spaghetti dinner the next go-round. Our theme today is serve as Jesus serves at the table. What does it mean for us to be a church community that serves in the model of Jesus, particularly around a meal? What does it mean for us to be a place of hospitality? You do this so well, you just heard Kelly give testimony to the witness of what you've been doing for over 15 years at the Feed and Seed Ministry, knowing the power of answering Jesus' call to gather around a table. Hospitality has within its roots the idea of a host and a guest. And I think often as the church, we pride ourselves on being the host, providing the space for others to come and to eat, to worship, to learn, to study, to grow, to serve. How can we be the best host possible? It's an excellent question for us to continually ask ourselves. And I do think in part that's what Jesus is teaching us in this parable, helping us rethink our assumptions constantly about who is acceptable or proper so that we host an ever-widening circle of guests in all that we do. It's a good way to go with the parable. It's straightforward, can seem like the moral of the story. But I do think it can be dangerous if we read this story and only imagine ourselves in the position of the host. The one who sets the table, sets the tone for the right kind of etiquette, makes the seating chart, the guest list, even if that's a really wide one. As if we just need to revise our rule book on manners to include more people. Because what Jesus is really saying here is that in spite of what we may think about ourselves, we aren't the hosts at all. Jesus is the host. And we, all of us, are the guests. Jesus spreads out a banquet before us of love and of justice and of mercy, of peace and of welcome and of grace. And he says, come, all you people, come and eat, drink, remember, share, love, be forgiven, be filled, because my kingdom is here now. It's why we gather around this communion table, the place where he is indeed the host. He knew the power of a shared meal. He was always eating with all kinds of folks in private homes and in crowds among thousands. When I took a worship class in seminary, my professor, Don Salyer, said this that I'll never forget. He said, Jesus loved meals so much, he became one. He loved meals so much that he became one. For on the last night of his life, he gathered his disciples around a table to eat. In the sacred meal, Jesus takes bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and he gives it. 
The bread becomes his body and the wine his blood, and we then, through the sharing of the meal, become part of his body. Every time we take communion and worship, Jesus takes us in as beloved. God blesses our lives. Our hearts begin to break open, and the Holy Spirit gives all of us grace. We receive and we become the body of Christ. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, received communion as frequently as he could, every couple of days. He encouraged others to receive as frequently as they could, too. Because he knew that when we come around the communion table, it prepares us to share bread with our neighbors. That when Christ invites us to his table, we are changed. It's an invitation that we could never possibly repay. There is no quid pro quo at his banquet. We as humans could never, ever throw a party with offer back the same kind of unmerited and unwarranted grace that we receive here. So instead of letting ourselves in this story immediately jump to the role of host, let's remember that first and foremost, we are the guest. At times, we're undeserving. At times, we're the ones on the margins. Maybe we're full of pride and a desire to exalt ourselves. Easily willing to judge humanity and divide people up according to whatever lines we draw about what is right and proper and acceptable. Whether that's based on income level or education, physical or mental ability, sexuality or job status, marital status, based on physical appearance or race or country of origin or native language spoken. All of us set boundaries about who is deemed acceptable and who is not. And when we do that, we welcome some in and we exclude others. I don't have to tell you that there is an overwhelming narrative of fear in our culture today. Voices and forces that are trying their hardest to divide us based on human categories. Particularly right now, divisions based on race and religion and country of origin. In light of that tragic mass shooting in El Paso yesterday, one not 14 hours later in Dayton, we have got to stop being afraid of each other especially as followers of a God who says over and over again from the beginning to the end of our Bible, do not be afraid. As followers of a Jesus who teaches us over and over again that we cannot only sit down at tables with people who are just like us. We have got to start talking with folks who may not be just like we are, gathering around tables and meals. We will be changed the world will be changed when we do this. This kind of fear is not just divisive. It's dangerous. It literally leads to death and to destruction. Friends, we are not the hosts. We don't get to decide who is in and who is out, who acceptable and who is not. Thanks be to God. That is not up to us. We are a people who follow a savior of life and of resurrection, of hope, of peace, a savior who is the ultimate host. As Christians, we've got to first see ourselves as guests at his table. 
guest of Jesus who, in spite of ourselves, calls us beloved, all of us, worthy children of God who have a reserved seat at the table. When we know this deep down in our bones, we are better able to offer it to others when the time comes, not as hosts, but as those who are fellow guests, inviting people not to come so that we can serve them, but to come and to sit beside us as fellow members of the body of Christ, fellow beloved children of God at that table that God has already prepared, one without an etiquette book or an acceptable guest list. When we feed, when we share, when we love, we extend this communion table out beyond Sunday morning worship. We know Jesus and the breaking of the bread. When we break and bless and give, we practice for that day when all of God's children will feast together at that heavenly banquet table. The table where there are no places of honor because we're all sitting in one big, wide circle. Pain and mourning and tears, fear and racism and gun violence will be no more. There will be a peace that passes all understanding, and none of God's children will ever go hungry again. May this kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. As you go this morning, go with this blessing. Leave this place knowing and believing that you are invited always to God's overflowing table of grace. May we be a people who know this truth in our bones and then extend that table outward, inviting more and more people to join us at this marvelous feast. Let us serve as Jesus serves at the table. Go forth with his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.